Hey, New Life Gillette Church, we are thrilled you decided to listen to our teaching on your favorite podcast app. If you made a decision to follow Christ today, would you let us know by visiting yes.newlifegillette.com. Here is this week's teaching. Hello and welcome. Welcome to the guys over at the prison, to our friends at the jail, and those of you watching on Church 307. Uh, we're starting a new series today. It's kind of our Christmas series. I'm extremely excited about what it's going to lead us up to. It's called Fresh Start. And today we're talking specifically about forgiveness and about how forgiveness gives us a fresh start and new life and about how we are called to give that fresh start to other people when we forgive others. You know, we kind of go got to go back if we're going to tell the Christmas story and talk about what was happening leading up to Matthew, leading up to the Christmas story. Remember, there were 400 years of silence. So God is speaking through prophets. You got the prophet Malachi speaking and then 400 years of silence. And then boom, the Messiah, Matthew begins. And so what happens at the end of God's talking before all the silence? What is the message that God gives to the world through Malachi. So let's go back and remind ourselves what place the Israelites were in. He says, the Lord of heaven's armies says, when he talks about the Lord of heaven's armies, he's wanting you to, to remember the power and might of God. He says, the day of judgment is coming. The world as we know it has an expiration date. And all of us really believe, I don't, I don't care what your religious beliefs are, you, you believe that the world is, the end of the world is coming, right? I mean, maybe it's the sun's going to burn up, or maybe it's zombies, or AI, or robots, or nuclear war, or God's judgment. But everybody really believes the end is coming, but we don't know when it's coming right? We, we just kind of got to guess. Well, except for Paul Begley, he knows. I shared this uh, picture back in 2020. He claimed that on December 21st in 2020, the world was going to come to an end. And I, I shared this picture with you uh, back in 2020 before December 21st, before his prediction. And I made a bet with you. I said, if he is right, and the world comes to an end that I would give everything I own to the church. I made that bet. And I promised that uh, if the world ended, I would get, if the world ends, I can't give it. So it did, it, there was really no risk. Anyway, December 2021 came and went, and Paul Bagley was wrong, right? And this is what scripture tells us. None of us know. You guys are like, Mike, Christians can't bet. Well, I did. Anyway, no one knows when the world will end. Now, full disclosure, I am a part of a small but reputable group of believers who believe that the world is going to end when cats evolve and grow thumbs. But outside of that, we don't really know. But Malachi says how the world will end. We do know that. He says, how will it end? Burning like a furnace. This is the imagery that Malachi gives us. He's talking about a pretty terrible 
pretty scary event here. God is going to judge everyone to determine if they are good or bad, naughty or nice, in or out. And for those that he judges as guilty, there will be painful punishment, burning like a furnace. He says, on that day, the arrogant and the wicked will be burned up like straw. They will be consumed, roots, branches, and all. So when you are judged, what of your actions do you hope God remembers? And what do you hope he forgets? What will you need forgiveness for? Because sinners will burn, right? Merry Christmas. Actually, this is kind of the message that leads us to Christmas, right? This is the message that tells us we need Christmas. Christmas is coming. And Malachi switches there. He says, but for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. The son of righteousness is coming. The light, this is the son we're talking about. The light is coming. So verse one was bad news, but verse two is very good news. The Messiah is coming to heal his children, to heal God's children. Judgment is coming, but the Messiah is coming first. He says, and you will be, you will go free, leaping with joy like calves let out of the pasture. This is pretty clear. There is a reward for those who are healed. There is a reward for those who are forgiven by the Son. Not a reward for good people. A reward for healed people. A reward for forgiven people. So the good news, the judgment will be good news for some people. And the judgment will be bad news for other people. Jesus' Jesus's arrival was planned long before he came. It was predicted long before he came. But years of silence and people started to doubt, right? But just as God forgave them over and over in the Old Testament, God was about to take forgiveness to a whole new level. Paul said to the Galatians, but when the right time came, God sent his son. So the prophecies of the Messiah who would set captives free, it was core to the Jewish belief system. But they had started to think that maybe they had sinned too much so he wasn't coming. Maybe, maybe they were too far gone for God to save them. Or maybe the Messiah wasn't really God coming to earth. Maybe the Messiah was Israel itself. And so they started to come up. They started to argue away the Messiah prophecies. And they stopped watching for him. They stopped believing that the Messiah would come. It says, he would come born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law, to the Jews, so that he could adopt us as his very 
own children. The arrival of the Messiah was evidence that God had not forgotten them, that God would come through on his promise. He wasn't holding their sins against them. He had come to forgive them, Paul's saying. God replaced justification by the law with justification by forgiveness. If I am a slave to the law, what does that make me? It makes me guilty. And what is the only way a guilty person can keep from suffering the consequences of their sin? Forgiveness. That's the only way you escape it. John says, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Have you ever wondered why all the people God put in the Christmas story seemed to have a purpose? Why did God choose to put kings and shepherds in the story. So scripture, when you read it, it, it takes a three-year story of Jesus' birth and then moving and a chase of the king and all this other stuff. It takes all these events and it crams this three-year story into a smaller story that gets kings and shepherds side by side at the birth of Jesus. I mean, you read the story and this is kind of what you see right? I mean, this is, this is our Christmas. And why did he put kings and shepherds? Why not some priests and politicians, right? Because Jesus came full of the patience of a shepherd, and he came with the righteousness of a king, the power of a king. He's both. So what does this mean for us? We are children of a shepherd king. And Paul tells us to imitate God, therefore, in everything you do because you are his dear children. If he is a shepherd king, how are we to live? If we are children of the forgiver, then we are called to be forgivers. If a parent is good, then the children begins to imitate the parent, to recreate their actions. And that's why we are called disciples, Christians. Disciple means follower. And Jesus said, the student who is fully trained, the one who follows the teacher, the student who is fully trained will become like the teacher. And we follow Christ. So what does that mean? We act like him. We do things like he does them. And Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross and follow me. And what is the cross a symbol of? Take up your cross. What does that mean? It's forgiveness. This is, this is the means by which Christ forgave us. So if we pick up our cross, what does that mean of us? If you want to follow Christ, then you forgive like Christ forgave. If our goal is to be like Christ, we forgive like he forgave. Take up your cross. It's sacrifice for the kingdom. Jesus said, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. Now, this is a hard, this, especially in this translation, this, this is a hard one for us to read. What are those of us who believe we are saved by faith and not by works supposed to do with this verse? 
Does it, it seems to imply that God's forgiveness is conditional. If you do this, then if you are good, if you forgive, then God will forgive you. God, God's forgiveness is conditional on our forgiveness? Well, not exactly. The Greek word for if in this verse is ien, E-A-N. And I think there's something lost in the translation from Greek to English here. It doesn't say that we will be saved if we forgive people in the way we think of that. It's saying that we will show that we are saved when we forgive people. It's sequential. One is evidence of the other. When we forgive, we give evidence that we believe in forgiveness. When God saves us, he does it through forgiveness. And his forgiveness gives us a fresh start, a new life. Our old life dies along with the eternal consequences of our sins. And we are reborn. My friend Bill Nicholas says that forgiveness is a death. Say that with me. Forgiveness is a death. That's worth remembering. Forgiveness is a death. What does that mean? It means that when we forgive, our agenda, our self-righteousness, our goodness dies. When I forgive, I point people to Jesus and it is no longer about my glory, but about his. My agenda dies. Forgiveness is fruit because it's the root. Forgiveness is the result of our forgiveness. I've always been uncomfortable with appealing to people's desire to forgive others because it somehow is going to be good for them. We say things like bitterness is like taking poison to hurt other people or, or forgiveness. We, we, we like to appeal to people's own selfish desires to get them to forgive other people. But the more I read scripture, the more I realize the reason we forgive is not to bring glory to ourselves, it's to bring glory to God. Jesus forgave so that he could be glorified. And yes, there are benefits to us when we forgive, but it's much more than that. When we forgive, we show that the world, what what Jesus looks like to the world. Paul said, he died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ. Why did he forgive? So that we will live for Christ. Jesus died so that he would be glorified. And we are his children. We are his princes and princesses, co-heirs to his throne. Jesus came and forgave us so that he could be, so that we could become followers, forgivers who attract other people to him. And it's a beautiful picture when we see this in real life. When we see people forgive in our world, it's a powerful event like this. Hi, my name is Charlie Garrison. And, uh, This is part of my story about meeting probably one of the bravest men I've ever met. Hello, I'm Chad Sheehan, and I'm here to uh, tell a story uh, about uh, an event that happened in my life that has changed me forever. Years ago in a barbershop, I was sitting on the phone in between customers. And next thing I know, uh, some people came rushing in, um, 
put a gun to my head and said, uh, put the phone down. Um, I instantly opened my cash drawer and just wanted to not get shot. The story started long before the day that the incident happened. There was several people that my sister was involved with. Uh, they were talking about some things, um, possibly robbing somebody. And my sister called and she told me, she, she didn't call, she came over. And she told me that she didn't know if she trusted these guys and asked if I would go with them. Of course, I agreed. They, they came by my work and they said, hey, let's go. And I jumped in the vehicle and I just wasn't strong enough. I don't remember a lot about the day. I can't remember if he was on the phone. I don't remember him opening the cash drawer. I remember he was on the floor and I had the gun pointed at him and I saw his eyes. It wasn't even fear, it was just betrayal. I knew that I knew at that instance I would never be the same. I was really struggling and, and my struggle was is just um, they di diagnosed me with a post-traumatic stress disorder and they had me on some medications and I was just jumpy and it was different than I'd ever been. I didn't ever want to be one of those guys that lived in the yellow and was always ready for a battle and I was angry and I was hurt and I was I wanted to get even and and I started to have thoughts like man I, I wonder if any of these cops that were friends of mine would would catch these guys and let me do justice in my own mind and and kill them and, and I, I lived with this this sin in my life that I hated and I, I went from that to getting on my knees getting in the word and saying, Lord, I, I need forgiveness for this. Um, I can't keep going on living like this. I'm a, I, I'm a sinner. I, I don't deserve to be forgiven, yet you've forgiven me. Um, I need help forgiving these people. After we got arrested, I made sure that I wasn't going to try to fight it. I knew what I did. I deserved everything and more that they would give me. I tried, I talked to the police and I let them know just whatever you could do to get my sister out as soon as possible, just I'll take the blame for everything else. It didn't matter to me. Uh, the, the probably the most repairing thing for me was the time that the sentencing happened and, and and it was like God knew what was gonna happen. So he closed the big courtroom that day. That's what we were supposed to be in. And we ended up being in this tiny, like uh, maybe five or six rows of pews. And uh, they allowed me to speak to the court. And, and I remember telling them that I've been forgiven, that don't let this be a, a wasted time. Just please change your life. Um, Christ died for me. And, I believe, and he died for you, and I, I just don't let this be wasted. Um, like two, three years later, uh, we're at a Christian event where they're 
blowing up the hot water bottles and breaking bats and there was a tough man competition or thing that then they were going to lead uh, say the gospel message at the end and and i look over during this intermission and i see um who i've known to uh, her name was crystal and she was the sister of charlie and don as my wife i said don i'm going to go talk to them um and see if that's who it is and see how she's doing went over there and and uh, Crystal is a, she had really, really long hair. She was a short girl, um, had a big smile on her face. I says, I, are you Crystal? And she says, yes. I said, do you know who I am? And she had a big smile on it. And uh, she says, no. I said, I'm Chad the Barber. And she instantly changed and says, I am so sorry. And I said, I promise you, there is nothing here. I just want to know if you've changed your life. And she talked to me about her faith talk to me how she accepted Christ. Um, months after that, I get a phone call. I was still doing Barbary Nam comedy at the time. And, and um, I get a call, is this Chad the Barber? I said, yeah, um, this is Crystal's mom. Um, she, they found a tumor in her brain and they have to shave her head to do the surgery. And she has said that she's not gonna do that unless uh, you come and cut her hair. So. I went up there and and um, shaved her hair, and we we cried together and we we prayed together. It was um, truly a a moment I'll never or forget of of um, how cool it was that this this girl that had done something um, like that, um, which I also look at sin as sin because I believe God says sin is sin. So if you've lust in your heart, you've committed adultery. If you've hated in your heart, you've committed murder. So I believe that she was no different than I am. And to see her life change was awesome. So we cried and prayed. Well, Crystal ended up passing away from that at 23 years old. Um, and um, so then uh, fast forward, um, Facebook comes out, cell phones, all this stuff. And I'm I'm thinking, you know, I wonder, I wonder how her brother um, Charlie's doing. So one night I just, I, I started searching and I found who I thought might be her brother. And I reached out and said, hi, this is Chad. Um, I believe we first met in the barbershop. And, and he responded um, there again, sorry. Um, and in his life was changed. He was now a Christian. He was a great husband or he is a great husband, he's a, a father um, of two kids. Um, he was telling me how he was doing some prayers in church and, and, and really involved. And, and so we, we wrote back and forth, said how we have to meet up. Probably one of the hardest things in my life that I've ever done is respond to the text or to the instant message that Chad sent me. I had no idea what to say or how to say it. It was my wife that said, Let's pray about it. And that's, that's where I got the words to tell him I'm sorry and explain that through all of this, I've chosen to follow Christ. I've, I've chosen to, um, to help with the offering meditations and such in our church. Uh, I've chosen not to just believe in him, but to take that step. It's quite a bit of time um, passed between then and, and when we could meet up and we, we stayed in touch a little bit and and one day I was going to be in Casper and said hey um, can we have lunch and so we sat down for lunch and 
And um, I got to meet a guy that brought joy to my life um, through his redemption story. Um, I got to meet a guy that um, truly loved the Lord, that was truly changed. Uh, so this time um, in this stuff, the, my only hope in this, that it wasn't wasted, um, came to reality. And, and that, that happened because I wanted to be obedient and faithful to a God that forgave me. And so in that, uh, that's what God calls us to do. He's called us to do this. And, and the freedom that I had found through that um, has built uh, an unbelievable story um, that I hope shines light on what Christ can do in a person's life. Um, because it's, I went from honestly wondering if I could shoot these people and kill them to um, becoming friends with them, praying with them, and knowing without a doubt that some that God has a plan in this and uh, someday we are going to spend eternity um, isn't in the presence of our Creator. Getting to know Charlie and then just to having him bring that joy to my life and seeing this re redeemed man was um, something that I, I came home and I told Don, I said, man, I want him to work with us. I mean, man, how cool would that be that um, um, we can work together and, and um, because I truly feel that our business is a ministry um, and man, to get that out there. Um, this actually came in a at a great time in my life. Uh, I had worked road construction for so many years and being a, a Christian in road construction is is not easy to, for eight and a half years, just being belittled and mocked and, and hearing all the, the vulgar language and the way people talk and such. And then him offering me a job with him. Even when he offered it, I, I still couldn't accept it at the time, uh, but to, it was just another thing that Jesus did for me to, to help me on my walk. But it wasn't easy. You know, it's just like, I mean, some of this stuff, it takes a daily, you know, it talks about picking up your cross daily. And I don't, I don't know that non-Christians or many Christians understand that that's denying yourself every single day. That's, that's like when Satan throws those things at us that we're able to say, no, you know what? I am free in Christ. I am forgiven. And and I'm not going to live in this and until it becomes habit, I guess. And that's the best sermon you can ever hear. A life change, a story of somebody doing what we talk about doing all the time. If somebody has wronged you, you've been given the gift. You have the potential to preach a sermon that words could never preach. Forgiveness. To act like Christ, to live like Christ, to do what Christ would do. So what is it for you? How have you been hurt? What pain are you harboring? What, what anger is in your life? I'll be honest with you, today I wrote this message to myself. I've been struggling with this a lot lately. Somebody 
that I love and care for really hurt my family recently. And I've been struggling with a desire to forgive them yet. And, and I'll do it emotion, or I'll do it intellectually. I'll decide, okay, today I'm going to forgive them. Yet emotionally, I still feel the pain and I still deal with anger toward them. And so right now I'm walking a journey with the Lord. And I, I've had conversations with them and I've told them that I forgive them. But Chad talked about this idea of picking up your cross daily and continually forgiving, continuing to forgive. And it is walking that journey with the Lord. It's not easy. It's not instant. But it's walking that journey with the Lord that allows us to become those who show Jesus to the world in the way we live our lives. So who is it for you that today you will begin to pray for and that, that you'll ask God to give you the strength and the courage to forgive when you don't want to forgive, to be like Christ when you don't want to? Begin that conversation with God today and plan to begin that conversation with them. God, I pray that you will give us the strength to do what Chad did and what, what so many others have done with the strength that you give them. To do not what comes naturally, but what you've called us to do. To be, become the people you've created us to be and the way we love others. God, we thank you for your forgiveness. We nailed you to that cross. Our actions are the reason you had to die. And so God, we say thank you to you. God, if there's anybody listening to me today who has not received your gift of forgiveness, I pray that you would give them the courage to do that now. Thank you for your sacrifice. Make us like you. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.